Hey, welcome to episode three of the Outpitch Podcast, your new home for the human side of baseball and social issues. My name is Justin Havelock, and as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Crystal O'Keefe. How have you been this week, Crystal? You know, keeping really busy with all of the baseball jobs I do, but otherwise, you know, it's been a pretty good week. I'm excited for the weekend, but it's been a good week. How about you? I've been doing great. I went to the Blue Jays home opener on Tuesday. Uh, Boys are finally back in town, which was a lot of fun. Shout out to my friends, Tyler and Natalia, who I went to the game with. We had such an amazing time at the game. It was an incredible back and forth baseball game. Kevin Kiermeyer coming up with the early catch of the year candidate, which if you haven't seen, make sure you check the description wherever you're watching or listening to this, because we'll have it linked there. It's really an incredible play. And yeah, I also put out um, an article on the Outpitch called Home Sweet Home about the game and all the new ballpark additions that they've made in Toronto with the Skydome. So give that a look too. Yeah, we, we've got to talk about these ballpark additions. And I say this, you know, before we move on, obviously I want, I want to hear some of your reviews, but we'd be remiss if we do not bring up Jordan. Um, how did... How did we say her last name? I believe it's Chichelli. Okay, yeah. So Jordan. I'm wrong. I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jordan. I'll, I'll send you a really nice DM. Um, she tweeted, for every Jay's home run tonight, I'll eat a poutine hot dog. And keep in mind, she is a vegetarian. So she had to try to hunt down vegetarian hot dogs to make a makeshift one uh, just so that she could commit to the bit. Um, and Justin, what did the, uh, Blue Jays do that night? Oh, uh, well, the Jays set a franchise record for home runs at the home opener. So yeah, I, would heard that she was doing that during the game and I really feel for her. That was, yeah, especially as a vegetarian, <laughs> it's like, what are the odds of that happening? Yeah. So I know at one point I was, I had to follow along. Like I turned on my notification for her just to follow along with this. And at one point, um, they ran out of vegetarian hot dogs. And (laughs) this poor girl, I think she spent more time in line getting hot dogs than she could watching any of the game. Um, So much that she had to, like, eat the hot dog while she was still standing right next to the concession stands. And, again, they ran out of these hot dogs. Um, and she was like, well, I'm going to have to make it up at home and make some more makeshift ones. But she was posting so many videos of this. And then she got to the point where she just couldn't eat anymore. And for the sake of her organs, <laughs> she decided to just donate $100 to the Jay's Care Foundation instead of continuing to poison her poor body <laughs> with all of those just empty calories. Um, but yeah, so you you tried this hot dog though. How did you feel? Yes, I, I did try the poutine dog. I, I loved it. I, I'm true blue Canadian, big fan of poutine, could have it breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. And I really enjoyed it. I, I reviewed it in that Home Sweet Home article I mentioned that you guys might want to check out. Um, it, it really is... For one thing, it's so great to see the Jays finally have a signature dish at the ballpark because the ballpark food at Skydome has been 
really lacking for quite some time. And I always look around the league and I see all these incredible different dishes at different stadiums. Like you've got the Walfo in New York. And I know, you know, Milwaukee has like pretty much everything on their menus made out of cheese. Mm -hmm. So Argento cheese, even the good stuff. Yeah, exactly. So it, it was really fun to see the Jays have something unique and have so many different options. Like I believe that she probably spent most of the game in line because the lines were so hectic, not even because they weren't prepared. They were actually quite prepared and the lines moved pretty quickly, but it seemed like everyone had the same idea of like, I want to try all of the new ideas that the team has come up with. Cause they've got these new churros with like a, a berry option and an Oreo one and they've got all kinds of different foods from different cultures and different cuisines. They've got Montreal smoked sandwiches and Cuban sandwiches and just a, like a brownie Sunday milkshake or something like that. It's, I apologize if I'm making people listening hungry, but it, it was really, <laughs> really nice to just see that, you know, Toronto is such a multicultural city mm-hmm. and we do have some great food. So it was nice to see the team finally catch up to that. That poutine dog was really quite delicious. I thoroughly enjoyed that and feel bad for Jordan that she had to try and wolf down as many and <laughs> scraping them together with the veggie dogs. That was uh, really admirable and and to make that donation to at the end. Yeah, she's, she's the real MVP here. Um, but yeah, you mentioned those churros and that peanut butter and jelly one just looks phenomenal like it looks like it it might be coated in like a peanut butter and then it's got chopped up peanuts on top and then it looks like maybe like a strawberry jam drizzle yeah and then strawberries on top and i'm like i was looking at pictures of that from jordan because she was there for um kind of a a trial run of all this new food and tour of the stadium and she posted that picture and all i could think about for the rest of the day is how much i wanted that churro and if I was willing to make the nine hour drive just to go get one. <laughs> so I, I texted um, a friend and I was like, hey, uh, you get a passport. Why don't we <laughs> why don't we head to Toronto sometime this season? So to to be determined, of course. But yeah, that it looks good and that stadium just looks great now. Definitely. Yeah, it's it's really incredible what they've done. The the whole outfield has been completely, I mean, the whole park has been revamped, but the outfield, they've introduced like four new bars and not just like bars, different food options at each venue. One of them's actually not even a bar. It's like mm-hmm. a, they're calling it a park. It's like a play place for kids to go hang out and families to take their kids when they're, you know, a bit rowdy during the game. And they've got one that's a rooftop patio that my friends and I went to when we got there. And it was, it was mind blowing. We walked up the ramp to the 500 level and you come right out to this rooftop patio and there's live music and there's like the little fairy lights, whatever you call them. And it, the dome was closed, but it literally felt like I was outside just enjoying the summer. It's really, really impressive what this team has done. I know I personally felt like it, it felt like they had taken every complaint that I've had over the last several years about things that they could be doing and they've at least slowly been introducing them because I know this is only phase one. They've got lots more to come in terms of really bringing that ballpark into the 21st century. Yeah, 
A lot of these ballparks are really due for a facelift. I know both of the ballparks in Chicago could could benefit from that. And I know the Cubs have been going through a ton of renovations. They've spent so much money to like put in a garage. And they actually have, um, during the holiday season, they have a Chris Kindle Mart at Wrigley Field. And this year we we went, we took the kids and the inside of the ballpark was open. You just, I mean, you had to pay a little to go inside of that ballpark, but it was still pretty cheap. And they had all these rides set up. They had little, I mean, they had several options for food. They had little private chalets that you could go rent out. And it was just, it was really cool. They even had at one of the restaurants, they had like a s'more station set up and you could go oh. for like $4, you could go get, you know, all your s'mores ingredients and just sit out there by this little fire right outside and make s'mores and like so they've put they put a lot of effort into Wrigley I can say that um because that place is older than dirt I mean Wrigley is is so old and iconic but it, it needs a facelift but yeah so I'm just excited that some of these ballparks are actually caring and doing more things for fans to benefit from because you know that's where the money comes from yeah yeah absolutely i've i've mentioned to several people over the years it's one of the reasons why i'm that stubborn person that still refers to the stadium as the sky dome and not the rogers center because Mm -hmm. that was a name that was originally chosen by a fan vote you know people in the province voted for that to be the name of the stadium so you know, I was in high school, I think, when they changed the name, but I, I've just always stuck with it because I'm like, that's what the fans chose. This is this is about us, not some major telecommunications giant. Yeah. All right, so let's get into some more some more baseball. What do you have to start off with? I mean, since we're on the subject of the poutine dogs, I'm not sure how many people saw, but the Phillies got into a bit of a food fight the other day, which saw mm-hmm. I, I heard apparently there were quite a few ejections going on from some of the fans getting ejected from the stands. I mean, it didn't seem like anything was that violent or malicious, but it was interesting to, to watch the video, to say the least. And I guess the one takeaway from the fans is at least they can rely on the fact that it's still not the worst ejection to happen this year in Philadelphia with the JT Realmuto ejection in spring training, where he got ejected for essentially, quote, embarrassing an umpire. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I was reading up on this article and it says there are two more dollar dog nights coming up. One just April 25th and another one on May 9th. So I wonder if it'll escalate to another food fight because I, I was reading it. It started as a hot dog eating contest. And then at some point it was just hot dogs flying in the air and water bottles coming from the upper deck and oh my gosh i would hate to be in that section but it's still kind of funny yeah it was definitely uh quite the scene to watch on video yeah i'm just bummed because it does say you know unfortunately the small minority of people involved in this situation put our regular fan base in a negative light yeah so boo on that but it's still kind of funny to just watch a bunch of hot dogs flying in a baseball game 
Speaking of funny videos that came out this week, there was a great video I saw of Bobby Witt Jr. hitting a foul ball to Bobby Witt Sr., which was really quite incredible. What are the odds of him hitting a ball all the way to his father in right field? That was really something quite spectacular. Yeah, that's something that is like once in a one in a million odds, maybe even higher than that. Oh, and then we've got this super fun bat flip from Tristan Casas. And this was after a 14 pitch walk, which just seems absolutely incredible because that's a ton of pitches just to end up in, you know, obviously disappointment for the Rays, even though who cares? The Rays are great. But yeah, that I, I love bat flips. I know um, at, wait, I've got my yeah, you've got I bat, have flip, a bat shirt. flip shirt on right now. This is my let the kids play after the whole drama with Tim Anderson and bat flipping. Um, my my spouse actually designed this shirt for a, a shirt company based in, the, I think you're actually in New York, but there's a Chicago partnership. So I support bat flips anyway. Oh, I mean, I, I'm in the same boat. As a Jays fan with the Jose Bautista bat flip, you can't not. <laughs> yes, I still remember watching that clear as day. Like it was just yesterday. But we've also got this absolutely ridiculous new Baltimore Orioles celebration. Yes, that was a funny one. If we should call it that. <laughs> um, it's been, they've named it a few things, but so far I think Hydration Station has stuck around. this is ridiculous so but they have something different for doubles um and they make a sprinkler with water from their mouths that they stand and just spit this water out at an angle to um anybody as they hit a double or do anything good for that matter it seems like they're just they're having so much fun in these dugouts and I'm here for it because the O's are just a fun neutral team to cheer for anyway. Yeah, for sure. You'd sent me that video earlier and I I was watching it and I don't, I don't really know what I was expecting, (laughs) but it certainly wasn't that. No, That's for sure. Oh, good for them. Like I, I tell my, my son this all the time because he, he plays baseball. And I'm just like, you know, at the end of the day, all I want from you is to learn a little bit more about the sport you're playing, but also just have fun and make friends in the dugout. Because as long as you're paying attention, that is one of the best places that you can find like your lifelong friends. And I just love that the O's have carried on my wisdom to my 12-year-old. I completely agree. I think it makes all the difference when a team's just out there having fun and enjoying themselves. I mean, the Blue Jays home opener on on Tuesday, it was all smiles from ear to ear, Kevin Kiermaier especially. It just makes the world of difference. Speaking of teams that are having fun right now, we've also got the Tampa Bay Rays, who are now (laughs) 13-0. They are undefeated this season, tied with Atlanta in 1982 and Milwaukee in 1987 for the longest winning streak to open a season. 
And their next series, let me check my notes here, is against Toronto and then the White Sox. So um, <laughs> it, it seems like our both of our teams are going to be very intent on shutting this down, keeping them from taking that record any further. You know, that's going to be tough. And I'm convinced it is because they're wearing these Devil Rays jerseys. Like I, I'm obsessed with those jerseys. And I remember the whole thing behind the Cardinals with their devil magic. I think they mm-hmm. have pushed it over to the Rays now. Yep. And it makes me really want to buy one of those like jerseys or just any t-shirt with that devil Rays logo on it. Because one, they're amazing. And I'm a sucker for like neon colors. And two, man, they're just so much fun. <laughs> Like they are just out there every day grinding and kicking so much butt. And I just know that they're going to like stomp all over the White Sox. Like I I can see that happening because they're just that good. Yeah. You might have, you might have a better chance with the Blue Jays at least taking one game. Yeah, I think you're right. They've definitely got that devil rays magic going. And uh, I mean, We'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Either Tampa Bay is going to set a new major league record or fans in Toronto are going to be very, very happy, especially because it's a home game for us. So yeah, I know if the vibe is anything like what it was uh, with Detroit this week, <laughs> it's going to be an uphill battle for Tampa tomorrow. Yeah, but it should be fun to you know, watch my team get stomped on. <laughs> Best of luck to you. Thank you. We've, we've got our fingers crossed, that's for sure. <laughs> And yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, just how deep the roster is and how they've got so many young players that are just out there having fun. Because one of the things I wanted to talk about today was some of the players in fantasy right now. This early in the year, we really don't know who to do what with. So personally, I like to focus more on the process. And one of my little tips that I had in the notes here is that I try to focus on getting rid of bottom of the order bats early in the season. Speaking of the Tampa Bay Rays, Jonathan Aranda was a player that a lot of people were excited to see, but he's still in the minor leagues. If he comes up, this team's hitting so well right now. We've got guys like Brandon Lau having a huge comeback that I think he's going to be in a tough spot at the bottom of the lineup. So players like that, just when you're looking at your teams, I would suggest maybe try and clear some of those bottom of the order bats, unless you've got, I think Anthony Volpe's maybe the one exception I can think of because he's got such a big opportunity to move up that lineup in New York. For the most part, those players, you can just kind of leave them alone until they really start to move the needle. And if you're looking for some help trying to figure out where guys are in the lineup and how to kind of interpret all that data, I would definitely recommend uh, going to Fangraphs and checking out Roster Resource. Jason Martinez does some incredible work there, keeping up with every team, every transaction, every change to the lineup. I don't know how he does it, but it's it's a real 80-grade tool that you definitely want to be using. Definitely check out Roster Resource on Fangraphs. You can find it below in the description. Uh, it's an incredible tool. Yeah. you. One thing I've learned about fantasy is that you've got to use your brain and not think with your heart <laughs> um, because you know all these... And right now, it's just such a... I hate this term, but sample size of baseball, you know, we're, we're barely in it. Uh, We're going through like the fifth series at this point. So, I mean, we haven't even completed a chunk of this uh, season. So again, going with your heart and picking your favorite players don't always work because sometimes 
you love someone too much. Like, for example, I love Michael Kopech too much. And, you know, you made a note that he's he hasn't proved himself. And some of these players can just have, like, kind of a fluky time. They can – I've seen it so many times where, like, they can have one really great game and the next game they just implode. And it could be, like, the easiest team in, you know, the division and they, they implode. So um, I also think, you know, you've always got to watch for people that are more injury prone because there are just some players in this league that are – paper thin and they're going to get hurt and you're going to be upset which you know obviously terrible please don't do that oh don't yell at players or their wives on social media about being injured and ruining your your fantasy league yeah yeah i think that's that's another great point and like you said it's it's something that's maybe repeated a bit too much sometimes in fantasy circles about the small sample sizes, but you know, it's repeated because it's true. You know, it's very hard, especially if we're talking about pitchers versus hitters. Mm-hmm. Most pitchers have only paid played two at most three games so far this season. So it's really difficult to decide whether something's legitimate or not. You know, we just simply don't have enough information. We haven't seen it. We don't know who's just, having a bad start as we'll be talking about later in the podcast these players are human beings you know we all go into work and have good and bad days Mm -hmm. and this could be the same for some of these players that we're looking at it's like oh my god this guy's washed this guy doesn't have it we don't know they could just be having a rough start it's still very very early to tell yeah and a lot of these i'm especially the pitchers they're still kind of working on their own thing like they're they're going back through pitching mechanics. They're working with their coaches. They're changing up things, you know. Um, so a lot of times you just – you need to further evaluate later in the season where you feel a bit more comfortable and you've seen them pitch, you know, five, six, seven games because that's when you truly kind of start to see who they are as a player, what they're going to be doing and how successful they're going to be with – you know, the different pitches they throw, if they're not obviously imploding on easy teams, you know, just it's just things like that where you've got to wait just a little bit longer, especially for these pitchers that are still very much working through it. And it's also cold right now in most places. I always joke about August Abreu. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously he's not a pitcher, but Jose Abreu would always like heat up when it gets warmer because he's Cuban and he doesn't like the cold weather, but then you have August Abreu and he's just on fire. So you, there's, there's so many things that you really just have to consider when it comes to picking up and dropping players. Yep. Yeah, I know I've always said the same thing about the blue Jays that with the cold weather here, the Jays bats traditionally have a cold start. Mm-hmm. And then of course, at least in my mind, it's no coincidence that this year, the Jays bats have been incredibly hot and we've weirdly been having a heat wave, at least, you know, weird for Canada in middle of April. Um, I know they were talking on Wednesday during Wednesday's broadcast about how that was the earliest that the dome has ever been open in the history of the sky dome, April 12th, which I'm sure to maybe some people in other places that's, you know, not exactly a cold time of year, but up here I'm, very much used to keeping my winter jacket and my boots out until May rolls around usually. And then it's 
safe to put away all my winter wear, but right now we're just in the middle of a big old heat wave. And I'm going to, as long as the Jays keep swinging the bats, I'm definitely going to be enjoying that. Yeah, for sure. All right. So um, let's get to our underdogs of the week. And you just mentioned some of the injuries and injury prone players. So who is your underdog of the week, Crystal? Sure. So I picked Byron Buxton because he is one that is dealing with more injuries and has had really inconsistent playing time within the last like two seasons, really. Um, But he somehow still comes out there and gives his all like just you know, I think it was yesterday he hit his 100th career home run um, and he was injured in that game. Like he had a collision mm-hmm. at second base with Lenin Sosa and had to be pulled out of the game, but then was ready to be right back in the lineup, you know, today. Um, and I think people just really sleep on him because they think, oh, gosh, this guy's just going to get hurt. But he is a real threat when you know this when he's healthy and he's motivated and again like i hate that term of like when he's healthy but you know it's true he gives his all no matter how he's feeling and you really just have to yank him out of the game before he's gonna give up even after this awful collision like i was watching it live and it was not pretty but yeah so he's he's my underdog because you know again we, we need to give this guy more credit. He is so talented. And he just gets slept on way too often. And, you know, the Twins, they're, they're going to be good this year. And Byron Buxton is a big part of why they are going to be so successful this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, speaking of injuries, the Twins are struggling with a lot of injuries to that batting order right now already. Mm-hmm. So... Whatever they can get out of Byron Buxton, they're they're definitely going to milk it as much as they possibly can. That's for sure. Yeah. So do you have this week? Yeah. So mine, much like yours last week, mine is a player that I actually got to see in person. It's uh, Zach Pop of the Toronto Blue Jays. He's a reliever. He's a 26-year-old righty from Brampton, Ontario. So he's a local boy and playing just outside of his hometown. He came in for Alec Manoa in the fifth inning and struck out two batters in 1.2 innings without allowing a base runner. He's a very underrated player. He's got a really nice sinker that sits uh, 95.1 miles an hour right now, which is actually down a tick and a half from last year and pairs it with a really nice slider as well. And he's started to throw that slider more often. He's, He's a really interesting player to watch because since coming to Toronto at the trade deadline last year, He's been so dominant, and it's just completely flown under the radar. He's got a 1.75 ERA, 0.90 whip, three walks, and 17 strikeouts in only 25.2 innings. Yeah, that's some really, really dominant stuff. And his command has just continued to improve from his rookie season to playing in Miami last year to playing in Toronto now. He's still working his way into a high leverage role with the Blue Jays, but I think he's a name you can definitely expect to pop up on your radar this season. For sure. I think we should we should dive deep with other things that are popping up on everybody's radar right now. Yeah. And that is just the anxiety and mental health in sports and how we treat our players. Yeah, for sure. I, I know that's been all over my uh, timeline on Twitter this week. 
first we have Austin Meadows and Daniel Bard, both over the past couple of weeks going on the IL with anxiety. I know that's something that may come as a surprise to a lot of people. It's really not been that common in, in Major League Baseball. And I think it's really inspiring. I personally find it very impressive to see them have the courage to be as open as they are talking about their mental health and reaching out to get the support that they need. You know, I saw a great comment on Twitter saying, asking for help doesn't make you weak. And I, I think that's really the kind of short version of this. Mental health is something that is still so heavily stigmatized across the board. And I'm sure so many people of the year struggled with it personally over the last few years or have seen someone they know struggling with it. And I know the sports world, we are lagging even even further behind. So seeing players like Meadows and Bard talking openly about what they've been through, actually going on the IL for anxiety and getting support. I don't know so much about the Rockies, but I know the Detroit Tigers have been very, very explicit about making sure that Austin Meadows gets the support that he needs with his mental health and that any other players on the team that are struggling get the support they need as well. Yeah, I have, um, I've seen this a lot in Chicago with two players specifically on the White Sox. Um, Michael Kopech, we talked about it earlier, he opted out of the shortened 2020 season because um, he missed all of 2019 with Tommy John surgery. And he, you know, talked a lot about how he needed to regain any kind of motivation after these two years away. Um, and he expressed that he had a lot of concerns about his his mental health. He disclosed that he suffers from anxiety and depression. And uh, he, I mean, he talks about this a lot. Like he talked about this at SoxFest. And then one of my favorite things that the organization did, I think this was maybe just last season. Yeah, it was last season. Um, the White Sox tweeted out, you know, in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month, Michael Kopech designed a wallpaper as a gentle reminder to be kind to yourself and others. And uh, Michael wrote, self-care is a beautiful conundrum balancing the human tendency of being selfish with a higher desire to be selfless. And then he uh, quoted a passage from the Bible saying, love thy neighbor as thy self. And they shared that and I immediately downloaded it because, you know, as someone who who struggles with both of those things on a daily basis, to hear someone I admire and look up to, you know, speak on this is is exactly what a lot of people need, especially, you know, a lot of men who I feel like do not have equal amounts of um, respect and openness about mental health. You know, we talk about women all the time. We talked about kids all the time, but men don't seem to have that same response. So, you know, it's, it's really good that people are highlighting that. And at the same time, Jake Berger has done the exact same. He has been incredibly open about PTSD from after he, you know, had a Achilles tear, um, and he he did he had that twice. He's he's torn that twice now, um, so he has a lot of PTSD even just stepping out on the field, um, and now he's you know made this initiative to be more open 
about mental health. He actually launched Burger Bombs, and it's a content-based website that that focuses on this awareness, um, which, you know, it's amazing because he, he podcasts about it, he makes videos about it, and he kind of shares techniques that helped him get through kind of the, the darkness. Um, and, you know, he this, this Burger Bombs thing is great. Um, I know the B stands for Be Open, and that's kind of what he wanted to really focus this on was just opening up to others and, and getting that help that you need and you know that it's okay to be a man in baseball that you think is supposed to be so macho uh, asking for help when he needs it asking for help with mental illness because again even the most macho super buff cool guy can can benefit from these things everybody goes through this like darkness so you know, that's my soapbox of these these two White Sox players doing great things. But again, you know, it, it's helping so many people more than just baseball fans. It's helping younger generations. It's helping men that that suffer in silence from this. And I love that. I am someone who's who advocates for mental health on what feels like a daily basis. So I just I love the support that these athletes are getting right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's so, so important. And like you said, it's really something that from the perspective of men's mental health really needs to be discussed more and destigmatized a lot more because there's still so much toxic masculinity out there. And this idea that asking for help makes you weak. Asking for help does not make you weak. Asking for help is a sign of strength. It means you have the courage to be vulnerable and to open up and to admit there's something wrong with, there's something wrong with my life or my thoughts, or I'm just going through a difficult time because we all go through it. Anyone, anyone that says otherwise is probably hiding something. Everybody has these struggles. So I, I think it's so, so important to kind of peel back those layers, pull back on that stigma and that toxic masculinity so that people know that when they need support, it will be there. And when they need support, that they can ask for it. Because, and, and I've been through this myself personally, asking for help is often the biggest obstacle, especially as you were saying for men. Um, I myself have had a lot of struggles with anxiety and my mental health over the years. And at, at every point in my life that I've struggled with these issues, the biggest roadblock is always just reaching out to somebody and admitting everything in my life is not perfect right now, which is ridiculous when, when you think about it, because we all know what we're going through. We all know what our, our friends or family are going through to some extent, at least. So we know that nobody's life is actually perfect. So it's, it's a little odd sometimes that we put ourselves on these pedestals that everything has to be perfect. And I have to put on a brave face in front of my friends or my family or the people that I should be asking for support. If you need help, ask for help because it, it's difficult, but it's also one of the best decisions that you can make. Yeah. And you know, I mentioned this and, and you put it at the top of these notes, like these 
these players are also just not machines for your entertainment. You know, they are, they are real people and they do need real help. And, you know, I know sometimes therapy is not as easily accessible or even affordable, at least in the States. It's probably better up there because everything's better in Canada. But, um, you know, just making that first step to admit that you do need some help and finding someone that you can you can trust and depend on and help you throughout this entire process, like someone that you can lean on and and put that trust in to be a vulnerable person makes a world of difference. Because, you know, like you just said, realizing and reaching out is the hardest step that you can make, especially when you are, you're really deep into that darkness. Because again, I think all of us have been there. I think therapy honestly would help so many people, even if you're not anxious or depressed, you're just going through something and you do like short-term therapy. It helps. And I'm not just saying that because I majored in psychology. I mean, it, it, it's a real, it's a real tool that's incredibly useful for everybody. And especially these macho men playing baseball every day. Of of course. I mean, I think if, if I've got one takeaway over the last couple of years with the pandemic and everything that's been going on, it's that for me, at least, I think we need to normalize the idea of everybody having a therapist and, and not just you know, not just people with mental health issues or when something's going on. I, I think mental health care needs to be something that becomes normalized the same way that, you know, virtually everyone, assuming you have the access, has a family doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not good to go five, 10 years like some people do without going in for a checkup. You may not have to go in as often as other people that may have some physical health issues and need regular checkups. But at least for that little tune-up, at least to make sure everything's okay. I think we really need to normalize approaching mental health the same way we approach physical health and saying we should all have access to a therapist or somebody along those lines that can help us with our mental health and go for regular checkups as, as much or as little as you may need it. You know, Maybe it's something that for some people they go once every month or once every six months just to check in and touch base on what's going on in their lives and what they may need with what they may need support with because there's there's so much so many ways that it can help you you know again as, as somebody mm-hmm. that's been through this myself especially so much over the last few years it's a very difficult first step to take but when you take it you really start to see the reward you start to see the impact that it has on on yourself. And one of the things I've learned is on the people around you too. I know that's something that I wasn't very focused on at first when people talked to me about my own mental health was I was always very focused on this is how it affects me. And this is my problem, my issue. So it doesn't really matter. It's not really anyone else's business and no one can tell me how to live my life. And over time, as I delved deeper into my mental health, I started to realize this affects the people around me so much more than I could have ever imagined. So it's really something that, you know, hopefully people can do for themselves. But, you know, if you're struggling with that, 
try to at least see and think about the impact that it's having on the people in your lives. And, and then at the end of the day, they, they want the best for you. They want you to get that support. Yeah. Also, your mind is just as important as your body. You've got to keep a healthy, clear mind too, just as much as you need to treat your body right. So just talking it out every few months is better than nothing. Yeah. But I like the idea of it being as accessible as, you know, a primary care doctor. But, you know, we, we mentioned the relationship thing, and I think this is a good way to start talking about Dansby Swanson and everything that was showing up all over our Twitter feeds today. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that was that was something that was really quite, um, to be honest, quite hurtful to see. You know, to, to see somebody approaching mental health that way, that um, for people that maybe haven't seen it, Dansby Swanson left uh, Tuesday's Chicago Cubs game after the fifth inning um, with what was reported as lower left side tightness. And then they said it was just cramps. And then as we started to get a clearer and clearer picture of what happened, it it really just seemed like physical and emotional exhaustion. I think it ties in perfectly to what you were just saying about um, how connected the mind and the body are and that you need to take care of both of them because um, his um, his wife, Mallory Swanson, who's more than just his wife as well, she's a star player for the U.S. women's national soccer team. Um, and she was hurt on the weekend and had to undergo knee surgery um, Tuesday morning. So the day of that game at four in the morning, he had to take his wife to the hospital for this surgery. And he, he mentioned later on in the week that he wasn't eating. He wasn't sleeping. I think he said it had been two days since he had uh, slept or eaten and he just wasn't feeling right. It's so important to take care of yourself, but at the same time, this is somebody he loves. This is something, somebody that is his whole world. So to see her suffering, especially as an athlete herself as well in her own right, she was supposed to be playing in the Women's World Cup this summer and that she's now lost that opportunity because she won't be able to play. She won't be healthy. I really just was caught off guard by how many people were lacking sympathy, that they didn't seem to understand the idea that somebody might be emotionally affected by what somebody close to them is going through. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I, I feel like I see it constantly, you know, when I'm really down, I think about so many things like, how is this going to affect my children? Do they want their mom to be upset or do they want their mom to take care of herself and be happy and be more active? And, you know, with, with my spouse as well, you know, if I'm really down, it's going to affect our marriage, it's going to affect just every single aspect of our lives. If I am like really going through it and just mm-hmm. not taking care of myself. And I, I completely, you know, empathize with how he's feeling because I know if I was in that situation and, you know, my spouse was having a surgery that could completely ruin their career, even, you know, we don't, we don't know how successful any of this will be, how her healing will be, I would feel the same way. And, 
you know, I feel like it's the same thing, you know, when, when you're expecting a baby, um, I know that can be so nerve wracking and you're watching someone you love go through all this pain and sometimes trauma and just, I mean, it can be an awful thing giving birth. It's, it's not pleasant. I can tell you that much as someone who's done it twice. Um, but you know, I, I understand exactly where he's coming from, where you're not drinking enough water, you're not taking care of yourself and you're too worried about someone else that, that you really care about. And, you know, he seems like a big wife guy. He's, yes. he's incredibly supportive of her. Um, you know, in here, like one of the reasons why he signed with the Cubs in free agency is because she plays for the Chicago Red Stars. So he wants to make sure to cater to her needs as well. You know, that's that's her career and it's just as important as his. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point because, I, I mean, one thing that really bothered me with some of, not all, but definitely some of the headlines and tweets that I saw was a lot of people kind of emphasizing, emphasizing Mallory Swanson as Dansby Swanson's wife and not as a star athlete in her own right. You know, she's not just somebody that, you know, plays a little bit of intramural soccer. She was supposed to be competing in the Women's World Cup. That is not a small stage. Mm -hmm. So that was really something that bothered me because at the end of the day, whether we're talking about Dansby Swanson or Mallory Swanson or even Austin Meadows or Daniel Bard, all of these people are people first. They're human beings first, not athletes first. And I think too many people maybe have lost sight of that. It's one thing to wish your players well and to hope they get back on the field soon. It's another thing entirely to sit there and say, you're an athlete first. I don't care what you do to your body, what you do to the quality of your life. Because of course they have lives past their retirement. You know, you are an athlete first. No, these people are human beings first. Mm -hmm. So especially this early in the season, we're going to have a lot more injuries ahead. There are likely going to be other players that will come forth and talk about their mental health. I think this is just a great time to check in on that and to remind ourselves these players are human beings, just the same as any of us watching at home. And just because they have a skill set that we may not have on the field doesn't mean that they don't have some of the same struggles that we do at home. I also just want to add a note, you know, you, you mentioned she's not just his wife. She's the star athlete. Like none of us are just someone's wife, someone's spouse, someone's whatever. Like, of course, this is not the handmaid's tale, despite how uncanny it is sometimes, at least in the States. This is not the handmaid's tale. You are your own person. You had your own goals long before you met the person you love. So never, ever in a million years settle for just being someone's spouse that, oh, when I got married, I, I I definitely got on a relative for addressing it to Mr. and Mrs. Billy O'Keefe. And I was like, um, you are my aunt first and foremost, and my name is not Mrs. Billy O'Keefe. Um, mm -hmm. So if you could just drop that and give me my own name back, that'd be really cool. Oh. That's just a tangent for another day, but you know, still you're your own person. You have your own goals and your own dreams. And yeah, I support Mallory and I, I really support, you know, what her husband, Chicago Cubs player Dansby had 
to say about his mental health. And, you know, he, he digs deeper into this too, about how, you know, he realizes anxiety stemmed from 2015 when he was traded to Atlanta just six months after the Diamondbacks had taken him with the first overall pick and the future face of their franchise. So yeah, that's got to be hurtful for for being someone so big in this organization only to kind of be back on your butt six months later with a new team. Yeah, I, I was reading that as well. Um, Maria Torres of The Athletic had an absolutely excellent piece that, that really delved into his anxiety and his struggles and his openness. And uh, she, she actually called it a, a whiplash that he had because it was such a dramatic shift to go from being that first overall pick and being someone that is so hyped amongst the fan base to being traded away just six months later. It was actually the first time that a player was ever, a first overall pick was ever traded the same year. It, it was an absolute roller coaster, obviously, and something that I think just gave him, as the article said, so much anxiety that he felt like obviously for him to be traded, the team must have lost confidence in him and he had done something wrong. And so he lost his confidence in himself and his leadership abilities. And it was something that he carried into playing for Atlanta, especially him being from the area. That's his hometown team. So he carried a lot of that anxiety with him. It was just a really great piece. I strongly encourage people to go out and read. It's really impressive how he's overcome uh, some of those struggles and just kind of realigned some of his thinking into realizing that this was a decision that the club made for whatever reasons that they made it, but it's not a reflection on him. It's not a reflection on he was not good enough for them because that's what really triggered a lot of that anxiety in him. Yeah. Be sure to read that. It's, it's a real, it's really good article. It kind of goes back to Mallory Swanson, who obviously we we wish the best in recovery, but yes, let's talk about happier things to end this show. Yeah, yeah, we, we don't want to end on this note. I know we've talked about some heavy stuff today, so uh, we're going to end on a more positive note with our warm fuzzies. Crystal, who do you have for your warm fuzzy this week? Yeah, so I... You know, this is kind of a follow-up to the conversation that we just had, especially about, you know, Dansby Swanson. My warm fuzzy was just seeing the people that really, you know, went against these social media keyboard warrior bullies um, and saying, you know, hey, um, I didn't realize it was bad to support your wife. And, you know, all of these people just really defending it that that made me feel better knowing that there are people out there that, that do care and that they recognize how important Mallory is and how important, you know, their, the dynamics of their marriage are, you know, and that that could happen to anyone. Um, so I, my warm fuzzy was just seeing people kind of just completely pile on to this internet troll. That's all we'll, we'll call him. Um, and just reminding him that feelings matter and Mallory matters and his mental health matters and to just leave the guy alone. Like, he cares about his wife. I last time I checked, that was that was a good quality to have when you're when you're with someone. That's my my warm fuzzy. Thank you to all of those big wife guys and just 
people out there that that support this and understand why he was feeling that way and why he left the game without needing to be a jerk about it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I saw it all over my timeline today. I was very happy to see myself that it was nothing but positivity towards Dansby Swanson and people defending him and saying how absolutely ridiculous this is and a couple people pointing out like, hey, maybe let's not give this person too much attention that Mm -hmm. it's great to defend Dansby Swanson and to talk about these issues in the way that we're talking about it. But, you know, let's not give the person the maybe maybe the retweets and the engagement that they're just fishing for on social media. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't feed the trolls. No, don't. They're very dangerous. (laughs) So for my warm fuzzy this week, I cheated somewhat and I actually picked two. First off, I, I wanted to mention Tristan Cassis, who, as we mentioned, he had a bat flip today in the 14-pitch walk and um, is just a very bright young player. He paints his nails, and um, I know that's been something that's really caught a lot of people's attention because it's not a very common thing in the sports world. You know, we were talking before about some of the toxic masculinity that's unfortunately still out there, and... I just thought it was so great to see Tristan Cassis, this young player, just coming up from the minor leagues, having the the courage to take a leap like that. And I mean, we just talked about Dansby Swanson, who's doing something good for his wife and is receiving negative attention on social media. So, of course, we, you know, there's probably going to be some negative attention towards uh, Tristan Cassis, but he does not seem to be phased by that. I know there's... um finger in the middle of each hand where he's put some glitter on for some extra emphasis, uh, I guess, to show people that he just doesn't care. And I I mean, like I said, I don't know a lot of people that would bat flip a walk. So he's (laughs) a very interesting, fun, young player. My other one was uh, Brian Ruby, who I've mentioned before on the podcast. He runs a nonprofit called Proud to Be in Baseball that uh, works on advocacy and education and helping um, empower young athletes that are LGBTQ+. It was just really inspiring to me this week to see he was he put out a video on Instagram and was advocating um, in Franklin, Tennessee, which is a suburb just outside of Nashville, um, to help keep them from voting to cancel their pride parade. There was a vote this week that was very, very close. It literally came down to the mayor casting the deciding ballot. And ultimately the mayor decided to vote in favor of keeping the pride parade, which like, yay, it's really important. That's something that is so important to so many people. And I think just in the theme of what we're talking about today, you don't often realize just how much somebody may be affected uh, by some of these decisions. So it was so great to see Brian Ruby using his platform to advocate for this change and, or rather not change in this case, um, and to make sure that that pride parade happens for people that need it because there are a lot of people that need it. I know a lot of people go and they enjoy it. I myself do, but you know, there are also people that, that need that, that have struggled with their feelings about themselves or don't have the support at home or at work that they deserve. So they really do need that pride parade in a way that other people may not understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm assuming we're probably on the same page. 
that pride parade is a real safe space. Definitely. Even if you're not, even if you're not out there with everything known in the world, you're amongst people who have been through exactly what you're going through right now. They've, they've had to come out of the closet. They've had to have that talk with people that, that might not be as receptive to it. So pride has always been a safe space for me to be unapologetically me and be around people that you know are are going to support you as well. Just strangers that you meet in a crowd and you compliment their outfit and your fast friends and they support you through everything. So pride parades are incredibly important and should always happen in every city. You know, I, I love attending it every single year with people that I love. Totally. Totally. I, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's, it's such a safe space. And I, I don't think, you know, maybe for people that haven't been before, or maybe are nervous about going to one, I, I don't think people may realize just how safe it is, especially because the LGBTQ plus community is a community that has faced so much adversity, and especially with right now with some of the things going on in the news, unfortunately, that is one of the toughest communities that you can find. It's it's such an incredibly safe space, and and not just for people that are queer, for for anybody that goes, anybody that just wants to, you know, whether you're there as an ally or to enjoy yourself with some friends, um, it's a safe space for everybody. And I know myself, and at least my friends that have been before to Pride Parade or Pride events over the years. I've never heard anything but the most positive, glowing, like, oh my God, I had the most fun at Pride. Uh, I would strongly encourage people listening, if you've never been to one, to, to go, because it's a really incredible experience, or to go to your local team's Pride Night, because it's just so much fun. It's such a positive community and such a safe space. I, I mean, who, who doesn't want that in their life? Right. I will say this. I've never felt safer at Pride or a punk show. So I'm glad to be in both of those categories um, because, you know, the punks and all my queer friends are probably the most genuine, loving, supportive people I've ever had in my life. So be queer, be punk rock, do good things. Yeah, that's uh, we should get that on a T-shirt for the podcast. <laughs> right. Anyways, uh, that's going to be all from us today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to our deep dive on some of the mental health challenges that players are facing right now in the sport. As always, be sure to follow us. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at The Outpitch Pod, myself at Havelock Justin, and Crystal at Crystal underscore OK. And just a reminder to follow PitcherList on Twitter and Instagram at PitcherList. Um, Crystal and I both do various content, various roles for Pitcher List. It's a great site and you can catch a lot of things that we're working on there. So all the links and all the handles will be below in this description, wherever you're watching or listening. And please don't forget to click follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever else so that you can stay on top of our latest episodes. We'd love if you took the time to rate and review us. Uh, we really want to hear your feedback so that we can make this the best podcast that both of us can possibly make it. So, you know, please rate and review us and, you know, feel free to reach out on Twitter or if you're a member of the Pitcherless Discord to reach out there as well, because we really want to hear what people think of the podcast and, um, you know, if you have any ideas for 
what we should talk about in future weeks or you know you see something in the news that we might want to talk about yeah thank you as always for listening we appreciate everyone that does yeah thank you everyone for listening this week we'll catch you next week bye